Muncie, Indiana has been called the most studied city of its size in America. It has long served as a bellwether, a quintessential American small city. The history is important and well-documented, but what is it like to move here in the 21st century? Join me, Jonathan Balmer, a new Munsonian, as I interview the people around town who make Muncie truly unique. Welcome to Meeting Muncie. I'm here with Dr. Christina Blanche, writer, moderator, teacher, and owner of Aw Yeah Comics. Thank you for joining me today. We're coming to you not live, but recorded from Aw Yeah Comics itself. Well, thanks for having me. This is a real pleasure. I first want to ask, as I often ask people whenever they come onto the show, how you first became a Munsonian. From your early years to today, whenever you started calling this place their home, how did that story unfold? Um, <laughs> this is supposed to be a pit stop. I moved up here and I went to Ball State to finish my education and then had uh, my daughter and stayed to go into the graduate program and then went into another graduate program and started All Yeah Comics and realized, wait, it's been 20 years. This isn't a pit stop. This is a commitment. So I am here, but I choose to be here. I hear that a lot. The people come for Ball State and then something something keeps them here in Muncie, whether it's family or uh, or a job or something that you just kind of realize it's it's been years like this is not a small part of my life. This is a huge part of my career and, and, and life. Yeah, I've I've been here a, a long time, um, but I, I like it. And I know that there are things that need to change, but the only way to get things to change is to change them, not run away and go somewhere else. So we'll just keep working on making Muncie better. I like to hear that. Well, one of the things else that I was thinking about is how you first got into comics and how did you get into owning a comic book store? You mentioned you, you became the owner of All Yeah Comics. How did that happen? Well, so I I read comics when I was little. I thought uh, I found this Prince Valiant book that my mom and dad had on a shelf, and I thought it was just so cool. It was on the special shelf, which I later found that was just it was too tall to go on the other shelves. But that's okay. Uh, and I just loved it, and I just became enamored with comics. And then when Star Wars came out, um, yes, I'm old. Uh, when Star Wars came out, I was just obsessed, and still am. And that just became everything. I read anything I could get my hands on that was fantasy or science fiction, and I or watch it or anything. And it kind of went away a little bit. Not the Star Wars thing, uh, but. But comics in the, you know, high school years, I was busy doing a lot of other stuff. But then when I had my son, I taught him to read using comics. And then I got back into them. And when I started teaching, I was writing a lecture. I was teaching anthropology course at Ball State. And I was uh, writing, I wrote lectures every year. I didn't, I tried not to use too much material over and over. And I was writing a lecture on culture change. And at the same time, I was reading this book, Why the Last Man by Pia Guerra and Brian K. Vaughn, which is where all the males on the planet die suddenly, except for one man and his monkey. And I was like, wow, that's like culture change, like all at once. So I decided I was going to assign that as a as reading material. I didn't tell anybody. I just did it because um, I didn't want to. Ever, any, I didn't want anybody to tell me no. 
<laughs> so uh, and we talked about, you know, language. Do you still call a manhole a manhole? You know, about, uh, you know, family structure, about, you know, all the government that was, you know, out. And so it was just like a, a fun way to look at it. And my students responded so well and they loved it. And I started getting invited places to talk about it. And I did a paper about it. And it was just one of those things. And found out that the local comic shop in Muncie was going to close and didn't want that to happen. So we purchased it and uh, learned how to run it. And my partner decided he needed to move on. So I stayed and I'm still here. <laughs> Something that really strikes me about about your story with comics is how intertwined it is with teaching, not only at Ball State, but also teaching your son how to read using comics, which I have to say, as someone who did those hooked on phonics books to read, sounds way more fun than the way that I learned to read. Well, the the language in comics is amazing. The com people who read comics are some of the smartest people I know. And when you're using both sides of your brain, when you're you know, there are a limited number of words in most comics. So the picture also tells a story. So you're having to put all of that together and use both sides of your brain. And it actually creates uh, better tools to let you remember things and let you learn things and let you associate things. And you also have that period between the two panels and the gutter. Scott McCloud did a whole thing on this. And he spoke at Ball State a few years ago. Um, and, and the gutter where you have to decide what happens from one panel to the next panel and it can change for everybody. So your imagination and your mind has to go in there and fill in the gaps. And so it's just I think it's a great learning tool. One of the things that was part of your story that you just mentioned was learning how to run the comic shop, coming to own it, learning that it was going to close. And I was struck in reading of how many businesses, of course, had such a difficult time in the in the pandemic. We're now three years almost since those March 2020 shutdowns of lots of businesses happened. And early, I think it was in May of 2020, you were featured in an uh, Associated Press article, Socked by Virus, Comic Book Industry Tries to Draw a New Page. That was by Jack Coyle. You can tell they love the the puns mm -hmm. when it I, comes to things like that. And it I was like about puns too, so it's okay. <laughs> it's all right. As long as it's well, I, I'll stick up for puns. That's fine. It was that way. It was about the ways that comic book owners, yourself included, had to adapt in the pandemic and your online sales show on Facebook. You said, "I've put so much into this shop. I'm going to go down swinging if I'm going to go down." <laughs> You also and you all and it mentions you also write comic books and graphic novels. This place is important to people. What are you going to do but keep going? And I've noticed that attitude with a lot of downtown businesses on social media. I'll see you all post and support in one another. I saw the map company post after the flooding that you experienced here. I, I even entered one shop that had a sign that said there's more to Muncie than McGalliard. <laughs> and with all due respect to McGalliard Road, it's very nice street. Would you agree that there's like this com camaraderie among downtown businesses? And, and what does it mean for you to be right here in downtown Muncie? Oh, absolutely. Everybody down here supports each other. Um, you know, Chris Peach next door at the Fickle Peach is one of my dear friends. My friend, Debbie Kane, my best friend, Debbie Kane, she owned the Hayloft. She just recently sold it. Uh, but 
you know, I met her because of down here. Uh, we, I've made so many friends downtown. And if one store is struggling, another one steps up to help. Uh, we all try and support each other at Christmas. I buy all of our, you know, family gifts. Well, some, not some for my grandson. Some I have to go out of the box. Um, but I get a lot from here. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, at downtown stores. I love downtown. And right before the pandemic, we had moved from a little bit outside downtown to right in the middle of downtown because we wanted more foot traffic. And then the pandemic hit. So I was like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> good, good thinking. Lots of foot traffic during the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. But I, we wanted to be more downtown to get in on everything be and feel like we were a part of downtown. And we, we really do. But right before the pandemic, downtown was really on an upswing. I mean, more business were, businesses were coming in. There were events. I mean, it was it was amazing. And the pandemic really hurt a lot of a lot of places. And we never did online sales. I did. I never wanted to do online sales. I was like, never. I'm not I'm not going to do any of that ever. You know, get off <laughs> my lawn. Um, and when we had to close and we had and. For the first time in ever, comics weren't coming out. They they suspended that. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Well, got to do something because everything I have is in this company. I've worked so hard. So I was like, we'll just do online sales. And I figured out how to do them. We started doing them. We were doing at 1.10 a week. Had to learn about all about shipping and all <laughs> about there, there's so many layers to learn. Uh, but then after we reopened, we did had it in the front of the shop and we ever everything was just a big mess. So when we were reopening, we had to move it. So we're still not set up exactly how we want to be. We need a little more space, but that we'll figure it out. But it just was something that we really enjoyed. People seemed to enjoy we now have customers all over the world that still get from us that consider us their local comic shop because they just like us. And, you know, then a little over a year ago, Jeff moved up here from Indy and, and he's, you know, here now, which is a huge help. Uh, my daughter helps, my son helps, my son-in-law helps. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it was really, really difficult, but we made it. Uh, most of the businesses down here made it. There's a few that didn't. And that was, it's that's awful but we all kind of banded together and tried to do what we could and we still do i i know that when i first moved here one of the things that we did immediately i mean before our furniture arrived us putting down roots my wife and i meant getting a dog and we got a 103 pound dog from max and we decided we're going to go downtown on a first thursday <laughs> and uh, you all at the comic book shop were so kind to <laughs> his name is Alpha. He weighs literally down to the pound, same same weight as my wife. Uh, <laughs> and and you even invited him in a little. And we didn't do that because he would have been a bull in a china shop. He's very clumsy. He knocks over furniture at home. I can't imagine what he would do with a comic book rack. So we stayed outside, but there there were tables outside for first Thursday. There were things that you didn't. I, I think we even found a. A book, the language I know most of besides English was Portuguese. Mm -hmm. And I got a Portuguese Doctor Who book. Yeah. And it's just amazing what you'll just find at these first Thursday events locally that, that you just wouldn't 
you wouldn't think that you would find it or you wouldn't even search for it on the internet. Uh, but it, it's still here and you get to meet some of your neighbors. So those downtown first Thursday events and as someone who works downtown as well have uh, been a great way for us to get to know Muncie as well. So we've definitely seen that side of this kind of downtown revival, even post pandemic, mm-hmm. where it, it might have been not quite how it was in 2019. But thankfully, we're coming out of all of that. Uh, I thought I would ask you, given you have been here for so long, so much longer than me, what makes Muncie unique, different from any other place in your eyes? Uh, Muncie is, it's a small town, but I think it's a big town. And it still has that small town feel. And downtown is is just an amazing place. You can walk around and get everything you, you, you know, you want. Uh, you can eat, you can drink, you can go into amazing stores the hayloft has the greatest clothes or excuse me now it's called um ivy i believe um but previously the hayloft (laughs) it had amazing clothes um the food is fantastic uh the you know you've got you know debbie's soap shop which is is great i send people there all the time when you're for a free comic book day um, it's an event we have the first Saturday in May. And so we gave 10 places around Muncie the comics. So people had to go around and get them and get a little stamp. They could come back and get a free poster uh, because we wanted people to see what else was out there, you know, go in there and, and we wanted them to, you know, find somebody and talk to them and say, hey, I need this comic. I need the stamp. And people did that. And I had people come back and say, thank you. I didn't know that, you know, Debbie's handmade soap had this lather for shaving and I'm going to get all of it from there now. And, you know, I didn't know about Made in Muncie, you know, with the pottery and I didn't know this. So it's just, it's just, it's just fun. Um, I think that everybody here is just really nice and they want, they're here because they want to be and they want especially downtown Muncie, they want it to succeed. One of the things that's really struck me is that downtown has a variety to it that is sometimes hard to notice at first. And uh, for example, for you know Valentine's Day, my wife and I went to Vera Mays, which is a very nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the only time I had lamb Algiers, like I <laughs> Uh, in my life, probably. But then today, I was able to, you know, go to Casa del Sol and get a meal, a Speedy Gonzales. For I, I love that. Lunch it, it's like six dollars. Yeah. Or you know, I got out of, I got a sit down lunch with chips and salsa for like eight bucks. Mm-hmm. And and that is not, you know, something you always think of with um, sit down restaurants that there can be such a such a variety and it's all good. Uh, but walking downtown and, and seeing that sort of thing um, has really been one of the things that uh, that kind of drew us when we were considering to whether to move to Muncie. And even with, you know, uh, when I arrived here earlier and was waiting for the comic book store to open, I was like, I'll just go down to the caffeinery because it, it's there. And it was so crowded <laughs> on, a, on a Friday. It's, it's kind of... Uh, a wild, but you can, I think, miss that uh, if you're not looking for it. Yeah, I like to say Muncie is full of hidden gems. Um, I think the the map store is is one of them. That's it, there's so much in there. The toy store is incredible. Uh, you know, we have a jewelry store down here, several jewelry stores down here that just 
and the flower shop. And I mean, there's just, there's so much down here people don't realize. And that's why the events down here, like First Thursdays, are so important to get people to, you know, walk around a little bit, um, which is which is really important. And downtown development has done a really good job. Last year when they had the heat up Muncie, it was incredible. Fire up downtown. Fire up downtown. That's what They're doing it again this August. Yes, they are. I have it on the schedule somewhere. I have it written here. It's, it's, it was incredible. We had, it was so hot though. (laughs) (laughs) They they weren't kidding about fire up. Oh my gosh. It was so so hot because we had uh jeff was sitting outside with some games and things we had on sale he was just sweating and then we tried to prop the door open and finally i was like we can't we can't prop the door (laughs) open it is too hot we were all just so miserable and everybody outside was you know hot but it didn't make people go away it was it was so great and everybody came together and like made it such a great event um i was so proud of of muncie for that it was I, I it was just it was great. So I'm really looking forward to this year's. We tried to get the Batmobile here, but uh my friend who owns it had some um You have a friend issues. that owns the Batmobile. Several. He makes Batmobiles. Oh he he, he, yes. <laughs> he, he is the only license. It's in Logansport, Indiana. They're the only people licensed to make Batmobiles. No kidding. Yeah. But it's got the fire burner in the back. It's it was great, so I thought that would be fun. So next year, since we have some lead up time i'm gonna you know work a little harder to get that to happen but that's amazing it's been here several times before um he brings it up here because he's he went to ball state and it was at bracken library where he got the idea on how to make a batmobile so we drove it last time he was here we drove it through ball state just you know so he could see everything that changed it was so funny just driving this batmobile and people would look over and look you know double take or you know hey stop a second you know take a picture but that is pretty fun that's i'm gonna be looking out for the batmobile this (laughs) august when it when it comes uh to fire up downtown again so you're not just a comic uh shop owner as you mentioned you've taught classes using comics and you've written or co-written your own books your first book the damnation of charlie wormwood was released in 2019 by source point press and you've been involved in co-writing good boy and broken gargoyles mm-hmm. uh, one thing i've learned is i actually know someone i grew up with who went and majored in sequential art mm-hmm. comic yeah. comics yeah and i realized talking to him there's just so much i didn't know about this medium so I have two questions, kind of a two-parter. I'm just going to give you one part at a time. What inspires you to write when you are writing or co-writing these sort of things? Uh, well, with Damnation of Charlie Wormwood, I taught in prison for eight years um, for Ball State. And my friend Chris and I had all these stories that people had told us and all these ideas. And we met in prison. Not We, we met while teaching in prison. And uh, and. So then afterwards, after the program got um, cut, we were like, we still got together and have coffee. And he said, I think we should write a book. And I was like, well, I've been doing all this comic research. I really want to write a comic so that I can learn how it's made, not read how it's made, but know how it's made. So if when I read critiques or when I do critiques, I can actually know instead of some of the things I was reading, I didn't believe. I was like, that's not true. I don't think. So I decided let's let's do a comic. So we came up with the idea of Charlie and we wrote the first 
or wrote the pitch for it. We sent it into Thrillbent. Um, John Rogers loved it. So he was, it, it was an online comic. We found an artist, Chi, who was incredible. And then Chris got another job that, where he had to actually, you know, work all the time. So I was like, Hey, uh, you know, you're staying, you're going to stay on the book and as, as the creator, because we created it together, but I'll write it. I have no problem with that. Um, and we did it as just an experiment for fun and ended up that, I mean, cause I wanted to learn it just, I didn't expect it to go anywhere, but I loved it. And then we were approached to put it in print because, you know, that everybody says print is dead, but it's not at all. There's, t uh, you cannot take a digital comic to a comic book convention and have somebody sign it. Well, you can actually, but it's not the same. You can't then post it on your wall. You're going to have to put a lot of money in iPads. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, they came to us and um, eventually SourcePoint asked to put it into a trade. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. And they're kind of who I do a lot of publishing with. I I wrote Tales from the Crypt um, for paper cuts when they had the license. I have a couple stories in the Tales from the Crypt anthology, which was amazing because it was one of my big things growing up that I loved. And then <clears throat> one of my, I through source point when I was there promoting Charlie, I met Garrett Gunn and we became really good friends. And we started talking, uh, I was talking about John Wick one day cause I'm a huge John Wick fan and he had never seen it. So I, you know, shamed him. So he went home and watched it and called me up and said, we got to write something. This is great. <laughs> we're going to write we're going to write uh reverse john wick and i was like okay where the so, dog takes vengeance on the killed yeah the murdered the human. human dies right and the dog goes out for revenge because we're also both big dog people and that was the only part of john wick that we didn't like um which it had to be there as the impetus for the whole story right but still doesn't mean we have to like it and so we started writing it just for fun for us we're like if it doesn't go anywhere it doesn't matter we had so much fun but it has this little following now it's this like it, a cult following almost and it's people love it and it's sells a lot and so we were just they gave us our own imprint at source point for color fiends and uh it's basically myself garrett gunn um kit wallace who is one of the most incredible artists i've ever seen or worked with he's amazing and dave lentz who is our letterer but he's so much more than he does a lot of design and he we we have a little group um, group chat with the four of us, and it's just one of the highlights of our days when we all talk. It's just just this morning we were chatting. Dave is lettering another comic, and he put the three of us in as had the three of us in as characters in that, and it was really funny. Um, he his character had already died, so he wasn't in it. <clears throat> but um, it's it was just great. Uh, but through that, I've got. Um, you know, the opportunity, Bob Sally had wanted to do another Broken Gargoyles. He said he was having trouble with it. Would I help him co-write it? And I was like, yes. And then uh, Mysterium, there's a board game called Mysterium put out by Lillamund. It's it's a pretty popular game. And they asked me if I would write uh, the comic to go with it. And I was like, you know, about it. I was like, yeah, because it's about ghosts and, you know, mystery and I'm a huge Columbo fan. So I got to use my Columbo, you know, skills. And so I got to write, you know, Mysterium. It was a three issue miniseries and all based on the game. And it's it's been pretty funny. A girl came in the store one day and was like, oh, Mysterium. 
And she grabbed the first two issues. The third one wasn't out yet. And she came, comes up to the counter. She's like, oh, my gosh, I love this game so much. And I was like, cool. Do you want me to sign them? She was like, why? I was like, <laughs> well, I wrote this. <laughs> and she was like, what? She was like all freaking out. So I signed it for her. She came back the next day to get some for her brother. So it was like, it was just so much fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, especially when things come out in single issues, a lot of people miss them. But when they come out in a trade, you know, a, a collected um, graphic novel, as people call them, but it's a, a collection of the individual issues. A lot of people see it then and it'll be in, you know, bookstores and things like that. So I'm really excited for that to come out. It's I think that's in two months that'll hit the shelves. That's incredible. I know that my wife is not a person who buys weekly uh issues or trades uh as a habit she didn't really grow up going to comic book stores but i got her a couple of issues of moon uh, girl and devil dinosaur today and she has bought two of the omnibuses Uh here because she just loves that uh, so much and i think she's trying to get them all read before the the disney plus Mm -hmm. animation comes out you mentioned a couple of things there at the beginning you mentioned something which once you said it, it seems so intuitively correct, which is that the medium has a gutter in between. There's gaps between. It's not animated like a like a cartoon would be, like an animated feature. So your brain has to fill in the gaps mm-hmm. and you have to decide what what is going to be left unstated between the panels. And you also mentioned that when you before you actually were involved in this writing process in comics, you would read some things in criticism. And you would you thought, I don't know if that's right. Mm-hmm. So my follow up question is, what do you think most people don't know about comics or this type of work? <laughs> well, things I get a lot are they still make these? <laughs> it's like, well, I hope so. <laughs> Although the store is, you know, full of them. Um, and a lot of people think they're only for children, which is not true. Uh, it never really has been, or they're only for boys. I, I, I don't like when people come in and want a boy comic or a girl comic. I'm like, there's comics for everybody, you know? Um, and, and, and a lot of people still think only boys read comics. And I was like, well, that's really never been true. Um, you know, back when in the fifties and sixties, it was either equal or more girls were reading comics. It's just, there's a lot of stereotypes, you know, that we're all nerdy. Um, (laughs) My friend Debbie even would say that she was like, you're just not a nerd like other comic book people. And I'm like, comic book people aren't nerds. (laughs) I mean, nerd now is like a, it's a, it's a title, I guess. And it's not seen as bad anymore. And, and uh, people just don't realize that, Right now, comics are pushing the entertainment industry and industry that it's like most of the movies. So many movies are made about comics that people don't even realize. Um, Ghost World was a comic first, uh, you know. Um, right. Even Road, beyond the Marvel yeah, stuff. Uh, right. Not not that yet. Road to Perdition. That was a comic book. You know, there's so many things that were comic books that where people got ideas. Hey, let's do this. Uh, I think, is it Netflix doing a Sandman series of Neil Gaiman? Oh, yes. It's so good. Uh, Netflix is doing a lot. Um, My friend James Tynan has a bunch of things that are on there. Colin Bunn, he has a bunch of books that, you know, um, stories that, you know, he's written that they're making movies of. Uh, My friend Garrett, he, there's a 
Skiba Vision, which is a smaller movie company, but they're going to do Curse of Cleaver County, which he and Josh Werner are writing. Um, I edit that book. They're going to do a movie about that. So, I mean, it's there's a lot. A lot of comics are, are pushing, you know, the entertainment industry and, you know, the big, big movies. There's always, you know, scenes from them that I'm like, that's straight out of the comic. That's, you know, this issue. That's this issue. So... And that must be, uh, to kind of bridge the two mediums, a very interesting part of it is movies often operate with, they have to storyboard shots out. Mm -hmm. And there is a a more, not everything is shown, back to the gutter conversation, but there are physical references and there's art to draw from Mm -hmm. and concepts that can be uh, visual. It's not just as it is for book adaptations simply text there's also some visual cues a lot of times when i read a book a a comic i'll go this is just a proof of concept for a movie that's what they're trying to do (laughs) you know you can kind of you can kind of tell after a while i'm like they want this to be a movie they want this to get picked up by for a tv show or they want this um and so i always call this proof of concept comics (laughs) so one of the last things that we do is we ask everyone that's interviewed on meeting muncie these same set of questions, we call it inside the Muncie studio. Today, the Muncie studio is in Aw Yeah Comics. So just the first thing that comes to your mind for each of these questions. Okay. What is your favorite word? Oh, my goodness. Uh, my favorite. I have so many favorite words. Um, I like dearth. I like impetus. <laughs> I usually take a word, um, I would take a word, like the word of the day, and I would try and use it in, you know, in something I wrote every day. We did that in college a lot. We would all pick a word that we wanted that we thought would irritate our instructor. And we'd all use it in our paper to see if they would pick out that we use dearth, you know. (laughs) What is your least favorite word? I think like most people, it's moist. That one is just not one. Does it create like a a certain feeling? I've heard people say that. I think it is. And I think it's when you say it moist, it makes it, it, I don't know. I moist is a strange word, but I also don't like the word bored. So. Is that from hearing it from your son or or, or children in your life? (laughs) I I knew that was always a way to uh, uh, just frustrate adults when I was a kid was to say that I was bored. There, there's certain words that just create a feeling kind of like imagining eating yarn for me. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's just this weird sort of unpleasant, unpleasant uh, sensation. Yeah. What word comes to your mind when you think of Muncie? Unique. We like to hear that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're a little biased when it comes yeah. to it. But what turns you on creatively, spiritually or emotionally? Um, you have to clarify that. Like what makes me want to write or do it? Is there like something that sparks? Yeah, I think any of those sorts of things, uh, that things that I think really motivate or, or drive you or, uh, cause those kind of synapses in your brain to start firing more than they normally would. Um, usually it's like if, if we're just... The other day we were walking down the street with a friend. We were going down to Twin Archers, one of our favorite places to eat. And some friends had come to town and we were talking about Valentine's Day. And I'm not a very mushy person, like at all. And so I was like, what if Cupid was a serial killer? 
you know, and so copyright. Um, so <laughs> we, I got, I was just like, it just got that. And then I was like, okay, you guys got to hang on a second. I got to write this down real quick, you know? So it's just everyday things will do that. Um, what makes me want to create is, um, my, my grandsons, Maverick and Malcolm, they've changed my entire life and outlook on life. Um, Maverick will be three and Malcolm will be four months. Uh, I think today or tomorrow, what is no, the, I don't even remember the, what day it is. The 26th? What it's is the today? 24th. Today is the 24th. Okay. Um, so, oh, that, it's Twin Peaks Day. So I have, co I have some coffee and cherry pie for later. Uh, so it's just, you know, wanting to make them proud. So I started writing a few things that they can, a lot of my books are for adults, but I'm, I'm starting to write some things that they can actually read. <laughs> Coming full circle from teaching your son with how to read with comics to writing, yeah. writing comics for your grandsons. That's, yeah. Yeah, it's like poetry. Go. It rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's an great. awful George Lucas quote from from the prequels <laughs> or something like that. But what turns you off? What are the things that are maybe the opposite of that? Like that make me don't want uh, sometimes uh, the news. It's just when sometimes I write a lot about, you know, about you know, our, our guy's an assassin. And sometimes when I hear about all the murder and gun violence, it just makes me think, oh, no, I've got to do something else. Um, I've got to write something else. Um, so I think probably the news. <laughs> the news is depressing. <laughs> what excites you about Muncie? Um, the change, that it's always... Muncie is always changing, but there's always something new popping up. Um, even, and sometimes it's things we do. Uh, we have Muncie Comic Con coming up. We started it, well, we started it, planned, started planning it before the um, pandemic. Of course, then we got put off for two years, uh, but we had our first one last year and it was a huge success and, and the people in Muncie showed up and I was so proud of Muncie at that moment that they that they were here and they showed up. And so we're, we're doing it again on April 15th. And we've got some, you know, one day shows in little towns are hard, but we've got some really good guests coming. And so we'll see what happens. But I think it's um, that, yeah, it's just Muncie always surprises you. It's like they're, they're there for you. What sound or noise do you love? I, I love it when my grandson, who calls me Doc Do. Um, <laughs> That's an incredible name. When he says, he asked me if I if I want to play. What sound or noise do you hate? <sighs> what sound do I hate is pretty much uh, the, like, like in Jaws, the, the quint scratch in the chalkboard. That is a terrible, terrible sound. What profession other than your own, would you like to attempt? Uh, well, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I have two degrees in that. I worked as an archaeologist for a while. I wanted to do underwater archaeology, but that just wasn't feasible. Uh, I would love to be a detective. I would love to be a detective. That's the Columbo in It you. is the Columbo in me. I Columbo is one of my all-time favorite shows in the entire world. I love, I have a a painting of Columbo above our fireplace. Um, I have shirts with Columbo. I have a coffee cup with Columbo. I watch it constantly. I've been on the Columbo podcast as a guest twice. It, it's just every, I love everything about it. 
Uh, and I, I think I'd be a pretty good detective. I wish I only had one more question left so I could say one more thing. <laughs> but I actually have two questions left. Or actually, three. What profession <laughs> would you not like to do? So common? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> probably food service. Because I, I just see how people treat people in food service. And it's I'm, my son did it for a while. My daughter did it for a while. I'm a really good tipper. Jeff and I go out and I think people like scramble for us because they know um, <laughs> because they, you know, people try so hard and it's it's you're on your feet all day. And it's it's not an easy job like people think. And so I I I think I I did that once. I didn't last very long. Um but I think that would be it. I also wouldn't want to dig ditches just because it exhausts me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I saw the movie Holes, and it didn't seem like a no, whole lot of fun. No, not a whole lot of fun. Although I did dig as an archaeologist, but they were much smaller holes. You know? Yes, you have to be very gentle <laughs> yes. with, with archaeology. <laughs> what do you hope to see in Muncie's future? Oh, in Muncie's future, I hope that downtown keeps flourishing. I would like to see more unique stores come in downtown. I would like uh, just, I would like more, more events downtown. I would like more comic cons um, from us. <laughs> Uh, I, I just hope that it keeps growing and keeps um, being a happy place to live. I would like everybody to just kind of come together more and just be happy. The last question, the one inside the actor studio always ends with, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Ooh, um, here's your gin and tonic. No, um, <laughs> maybe like you made it. <laughs> I lost a bet, but you know, you're here. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. This has been Dr. Christina Blanche, the owner of Aya Comics and so much more. Is one person that you would meet if you come to Muncie, Indiana. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.